Well, uh, good morning and uh, welcome. Uh, my name is uh, Rick Allen, and I'm uh, going to be addressing the topic of living a missionary lifestyle. And uh, I am in the place of Susan Post. So if you are looking for Susan, uh, she will be on uh, this afternoon in my place. So if you look at your book, you'll see this afternoon she will be returning at the session, uh, which is at, at 2.45. So uh, she will be uh, available, uh, but this is not her session. So uh, as a matter of fact, she was standing just right outside if you wanted to say hello, if you know Susan. So um, let me just open with a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Lord, we thank you for uh, bringing us here together this morning. We thank you for this wonderful conference. Lord, we thank you that uh, you stir in our hearts and draw us towards yourself and uh, in some cases, Lord, you call us to serve others, uh, and we just ask that uh, your Holy Spirit would stir here this morning and uh, draw us closer to yourself, to one another, uh, and to the calling that you have put on each one of our lives uh, individually uh, and corporately as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So uh, the big news at my house is that about... Um, uh, Four months ago, one of the uh, one of the singers uh, that has been kind of narrowed down on one of these uh, music shows, uh, The Voice, uh, called and sang "Happy Birthday" to my daughter. So she is just like thrilled that this guy keeps getting narrowed down, and uh, it looks like uh, he's got a decent shot at winning. So that's all the buzz around my house these days is that we know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody on uh, The Voice. So uh, that's, uh, that's the big news, and uh, we're, we're calling and texting for him. Let me just tell you a little story. Uh, back in the late 1980s, uh, there was a, uh, a very difficult period of time when uh, doctors, nurses, and other health professionals were not going on to the mission field, and the kind of World War II generation was, uh, was coming back. They were retiring, and uh, no one was going to replace them. And uh, this individual, Dr. Dan Fountain, uh, a career missionary, Noticed that he was running a hospital at the time and no one was coming uh, to replace the individuals that were leaving. And uh, it was a difficult time as he went around to the various hospitals. He noticed the same thing. So he took it upon himself to try and figure out why that was happening. And what he discovered in that process was that individuals were not coming onto the mission field because of the amount of debt that they had. So he became a champion trying to. Uh, bring this to the attention of uh, various mission organizations. And uh, finally, uh, Christian Medical and Dental Association listened to him. Uh, an individual who had been the president was a missionary on the field. He actually saw the minutes. He wasn't even in the meeting, but he saw the minutes and recognized that that was the issue. The issue was that a generation of healthcare professionals were being held back from the mission field uh, because of their debt. And uh, from that uh, was birthed MedSend, at the time Project MedSend. And uh, uh, this individual who had been a uh, uh, 
uh, surgeon uh, out on the mission field, came back to the U.S. and uh, went back, got his MBA, and started Project MedSend with the intention of freeing up, at that time, uh, doctors to go on to the mission field and the expectation that it would only be, you know, if they could get a dozen individuals out, uh, they would have been happy. They were hoping that maybe they could raise a million dollars. And uh, it turns out that that was 21 years ago, and we have actually given uh, 500 uh, grants for over uh, $16 million and have uh, uh, freed up a, a large number of healthcare professionals. So right now, We've actually expanded the definition uh, to go well beyond doctors, but nurses and POs and uh, uh, masters of public health and on and on. And if you have specific questions, you can just uh, uh, bring it to my attention uh, and we can talk about uh, your specialty. But uh, that's, the, uh, that's the story of MedSend. And uh, let, me, let me ask you, raise your hand if you're certain that the Lord is calling you to the mission field and you're committed to go. Okay. Now, how many of you have feel that the Lord may be calling you and you're exploring? Okay. How many of you were brought here by a friend and have no idea why you're here? Anybody? <laughs> All right. I'd get you a cup of coffee if that were the case. So, how about, has anybody uh, been in military service? Military service? All right. So what was, what was boot camp like? Grueling. Grueling, yeah. yeah. Full of anxiety. Full of anxiety. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Any other comment? Boot camp? Uh, I was in officer's training school, so I just had an orientation like this sitting in a classroom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, wherever you are in the process of God preparing and calling you to mission service, right? This is a time of preparation. This is missionary boot camp, right? And what I want to to talk about today is preparing yourself to go. Now, one element of that preparation is a financial preparation, but there's many more elements of it. And um, uh, I'm going to ask my scribe to please come down, uh, the lovely Vanna White. No, I'm sorry. What, I, I'm, there you go. And, uh, and what I want you to do, she's going to just try and capture some of your thoughts. What does it mean to live a missionary lifestyle? What are the elements if you're preparing, what would be the things that you would be doing to prepare yourself for a life of missions? What do you think? Yeah, just call. Okay. Mm-hmm. Strict budget, financial budget. What else? Bible training. Bible training. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Others' mindset. Wonderful. Yes? Building a network of connections. Mm -hmm. Network of connections. Uh, Could include donors as well, right? Yeah. Donors and and, uh, prayers. Mm -hmm. 
For self-funding, yep. Uh huh. Saving, preparing. That's to a certain extent under the finances. Yeah. Okay. Letting go of worldly possessions. That's a, an, an emotional preparation, right? Prayer. Ah, who said that? <laughs> Prayer. Yes. Right. Being. Being in prayer and and think about the spiritual disciplines, right? And what are some of those? Did you have that on? Yeah, scripture learning. Yep. Well, that's the Bible training as well. Yep. Fasting. Meditating on the Word. Anything else? Anything else you can think of? Here's the thing. We, this, this time of your life, if you really feel called, or even if you're just in the process of responding to God's calling, it's a wonderful time to think of yourself in preparation. I think that's good. Thank you. To be thinking that it's, a, it's an intentional time of preparation. Why do, why do they... Prepare individuals in boot camp. What is that all about? Why is it done? Build the team spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and that's another good thing here is. Maybe go on uh, even <laughs> in light of what our speaker talked about last night, uh, but to go on a, a short-term trip, right, uh, to start to explore where God might be calling you. But the purpose of boot camp is to prepare you for battle, right? It's to prepare you to engage with the enemy. And that's what's going to happen if you respond to God's calling on your life to go into missions, be it here in the U.S. or be it global, You are preparing to enter into battle. You're preparing to enter into a spiritual battle. And this spiritual battle requires preparation. It it requires that you be intentional. Because if you're not intentional and you're not prepared, when you step into it, you are going to face a very difficult and formidable opponent. Right? Now... Our side wins, right? But if we step into this battle unprepared for what we're going to encounter, it's going to be a difficult battle. And your probability of success becomes lowered when that happens. Please turn your cell phones off. That was a reminder. No, just kidding. Uh, I would appreciate it if you turn them off, though, or at least turn them down. Uh, So what this is all about is preparing our hearts, preparing ourselves, preparing our minds, preparing our spirits, right? And ultimately preparing our finances to take on the battle, to prepare ourselves to encounter opposition in a spiritual sense 
the same way that an individual in service to their country prepares, prepares to go into battle in a much more physical sense, right? But it's, the two of them are highly equivalent in terms of the impact that it can have on you. And uh, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I want to uh, address this morning. And uh, let me see, how many of you are in debt or will be graduating uh, in debt? Okay, yeah, just for everybody, you, you got a lot of debt, huh? The two hands go up on your case? <laughs> All right, well, um, I don't know how aware you are of mission sending agencies and the process by which they select their candidates, but one of the requirements is that you not be in any debt, that you don't have debt. So you've got a big hurdle in front of you if you have educational-related debt because it is normally one of the two biggest levels of debt that we encounter in our lifetime. Uh, it's education and housing. Right? Those are the two very large debt loads that we tend to take on in a lifetime. And um, uh, one of the things that we as Christ followers see is that all of our resources, including our very minds, right, our intellects, our bodies, everything that we are entrusted with belongs to our Lord, right? All material things are, belong to the Lord, and he may allow us to possess them for a, a time, but ultimately all things belong to the Lord. Now, when we go into debt, what is debt? What is it? It's not, you know, it's not a trick question. It's a commitment to pay in the future for use of someone else's money today. Right? And that's what we've done. And if God hasn't provided you with the resources today, you're borrowing against the future. And whoever you're borrowing, borrowing against you belong to them. Some sense of you belongs to them because you're indebted to them. You're committed to pay them back, right? And when we're, f when we're debt-free, we can, we can serve God unencumbered, right? When we have debt, another individual can be making decisions for us that are not necessarily of the Lord. So trying to get through your schooling with the minimum amount of debt here uh, is the objective. But what you're going to find is that the world has invaded the church, right? And we've been misled by the great deceiver. He's made us to believe that we can borrow without compromise to ourselves or to others. But the Bible tells us otherwise, right? We're indebted to somebody else when we, when we borrow. And debt can be... One of those things that can influence your career decisions and the decisions that you make in life can be, can be uh, based upon the debt that you owe rather than God's calling for your life, right? Now, um, one of the things that uh, well, we can do immediately is to – how many of you have, have worked out kind of a life mission statement? Has anybody worked out or even thought of this concept of a life mission statement? Uh, Pastor Rick Warren uh, out in California, he does this, this shape, and he looks at uh, spiritual gifts, hearts, abilities, and experience. 
and, and wraps them all together and asks you to look at and create a life mission statement. And within the context of this life mission statement, we, we look at where God is calling us. We look at where God, how God has gifted us. And we determine where we might be headed into the future. And from that, we can create what we call our life mission statement to help guide and direct our path. And we can be more intentional on our decisions based upon the direction that we're going. And as we're walking through that, looking at how much you're going to need to borrow in that process is, is part of uh, the, the uh, purpose of, of doing the shape. And one of the things that we take a look at, and I don't know, uh, how, many, how many people do we have on a path to, uh, how many are in med school now? Anybody in the residency? Okay, anybody heading towards med school? Okay. All right, and uh, uh, nursing school? Nursing? Yeah? Nursing. You're in nursing right now? Okay. Anybody else? What path are you on? Yeah? Nursing. nursing, okay. Anybody else? Phys PA or anything? Okay, so each one of those are going to require different levels. Each one of these career paths or educational paths are going to require different levels of debt as you pursue your education. And one of the things to take a look at as you're considering even where to go to school, those of you who are looking to maybe go to med school and you're still an undergrad, if you've got, if you've got this, this uh, if you've walked through the shape process, one of the things that you'll recognize is it's not, if God's calling you to go into a life as a career missionary, you don't need to go to an expensive medical school. You don't need to look at this, you know, at a prestigious school. What you want to be looking at is a state school, something that is inexpensive, because quite frankly, if you're going to wind up in, the, in, a, in a, a, a mission hospital or a mission clinic, either here or around the world, the level of training that you're going to receive at just about any school in the United States is going to be far above what you actually even need when you get out into the field or into many of these places. Right? On a global scale, you will receive the best education in the world, no matter what school you go to in the United States. So look for one that's going to give you the least amount of debt encumbrance. Right? Make decisions based upon your future and where you're going. Right? And one of those things is you want to minimize the amount of debt that you encountering that you encounter. Also, as you're out there, one of the things I want to strongly suggest to you is that you not, you not borrow against a lifestyle, right? And I know you're going to face a lot of pressure in our culture because thinking about minimizing debt, thinking about debt as it relates to your future and your future career choices and your future options uh, is, is countercultural today, right? It's we're encouraged to borrow. And I'm sure all of you, the vast majority of you, probably have a credit card today. Now, you may not carry debt with it, but you've been convinced, and I know I have four children of my own, and they all have a credit card. Now, they don't carry balances, but, but they're concerned that they have a credit rating here in the United States accumulated. And you have to be very careful. These are, these are tools that can be used against you as you try and make your decision about where you're, where you're going. How many have a financial plan in place that's intentional and written down on a piece of paper? Anybody? All right. 
it's time to start thinking about that. Part of your preparation is to start thinking about uh, how you will spend your money, uh, how, you're going, how much you're going to borrow against a very particular budget. Because if you don't, little things, you know, like how many times you eat out during a month or how many times you go to Starbucks, those little things can really impact, can have a significant impact on your budget. The other thing it does is it helps to prepare you uh, mentally. To, it gives you a discipline that helps to prepare you during this time of, you know, a missionary boot camp, if you will. It gets you thinking about these kinds of things. So I want to strongly recommend that you go back. And even if you've got a very modest budget, and even if everything that you're using, you know, uh, for resources is against borrowed money, right, uh, still allocate it with an intentionality against what you're going to spend it for, right? It's just a wise thing to do to start that way. Um, the other thing is um, don't use borrowed money to tithe or to support other missionaries. Right? We get applications at MedSend all the time where individuals have used money that they've borrowed to tithe or to support other missionaries. And I know that's where your, your heart is, but that's not the right way to do it. It's not the right time of life. If you're, at a, if you're at a point in your life where really what it requires is a significant uh, amount of debt in order to sustain yourself, don't use borrowed money to in support of others, right? The Lord will let you through that, right? So don't be using borrowed money in, in that kind of way. How many people have been on a short-term missions trip? Most, most everybody. Try not to use borrowed money for short-term trips. They're incredibly expensive, and it's, it's not a good use of your borrowed dollar, dollars to go on a short-term trip. See if you can get someone to support you. It is important that you go on a, a couple of trips uh, to identify where you think the Lord might be leading you, but don't, you know, try not to do it with borrowed money. You know, missionaries... Part of the missionary lifestyle, right, is to use things up, wear things out, make do or do without, right? And that is countercultural to, you know, the way that our culture here in the U.S. operates and functions. And that's the way that you're being called to is a countercultural perspective because no matter where you serve, be it here, inner city, or uh, uh, globally, you're going to be living a countercultural lifestyle, and you might as well get prepared to do it now. Use this time as your missionary boot camp. Now, one of the things, we, we exist to remove debt as an obstacle for missionary service to health care providers. And that is all that we do. We have a small element of our ministry which helps you to prepare. We're committed to sending you uh, as best prepared for what you're going to encounter on the mission field as possible. But our primary mission is just to remove a debt for you. In that light, I just want to talk to you about some of the other options that are available to you. Because the federal government has put in a couple of programs that are designed to... Uh, help people with their, with their debt. And some of them are not, you know, 
I, I can't recommend them, and others are highly recommended. So let me just talk about a couple of them. Uh, George Bush, when he left uh, uh, the office, just a couple of months before he left office, he put in plan uh, a, a program uh, that is designed for individuals who have uh, loans from the direct loan corporation. So just jot that down because I want you to go back and check to see if you if your loans are with direct loan corporation. Right? And it's it's important. Bush put in the, the program that he put in place is called public service loan forgiveness. And the public service loan forgiveness, the way that that program works, but it only works if you have loans from the direct loan corporation. So if you don't have them from direct loan, just put this program aside because it, it honestly doesn't apply to you. And it, it represents about 40% of the student debt out there. So it's very significant. And uh, how this works is uh, after 10 years, if you work for a 501c3, which is any nonprofit in the United States, a 501c3 is a tax designation. So if you work for a 501c3 nonprofit, according to uh, the IRS, then you work for them for 120 months. Uh, it's not 10 years, it's 120 months. They will forgive your debt at the end of it, right? Now, the interesting thing is, particularly if you are uh, on track to, uh, for uh, med school uh, and residency, is that you will highly likely serve in a hospital that is not for profit. That's a 501c3 itself, right? So your, your nursing training, most of your training will very likely occur in a not-for-profit hospital. And those, those months will count, right, towards your 120 payments, if you have direct loans, we strongly suggest that as soon as you start to pay these back, as soon as you finish up school, uh, participate in this program. Okay? Uh, step forward. Uh, sign up for it. You can do it online. If you just Google public service loan forgiveness, everything will come up. You can understand the program. I've spent a lot of time researching it. I know it very well. Uh, and we recommend that you take advantage of it. It is just such a good program. Um, in that case, you don't need us, by the way. You don't need MedSend. You don't even need to apply to us. Uh, because what they'll do is they will base uh, your monthly payment to be low enough that you'll be able to afford it. And if there's any residual left over, we can help you. But typically, it's not so large that you can't take care of it yourself, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, as soon as you start paying back your loan, so, it, you know, it, it, you have to be employed by a 501c3, right? So you have to be employed by a not-for-profit. So, and it, it starts to count when you, uh, when you register for the program. So if you've been, let's say you're already in your residency, uh, and you've been in your residency for two years, that's not going to count, Right? Uh, it'll only count when you register for the program. Then the 120 months start ticking, right? Uh, now, there's another program, totally independent of this one. Uh, President Obama put it in place. Uh, it's called Income-Based Repayment, or IBR. Uh, IBR is, uh, 
strictly a, well, the reason that it got put in place, quite frankly, is to salvage the student loan program from going into default. When the stock market crashed back in 08 and the economy started to tank, a lot of people were coming out of school. They had significant debt. They couldn't make payments on the debt. When you can't make payments on the debt, you're considered in default if you're not paying, right? If you go into default, I as the lender, when you default on me, what happens is that I as the lender need to write this off as a bad loan, right? Because you've defaulted. So what they've done is they've put income-based, they've put an income-based repayment plan in place. And it's unlike, this is something that only the government could come up with, right? Because it's unlike anything you've ever encountered in the private sector. In the private sector, you look at how much you've borrowed, what the interest rate is, and what the term of repayment is. And those three things dictate what your monthly payment amount will be, right? Well, what they've said is, how much money are you making? What are your other expenses? And then how much do you owe? And we'll come up with a payment based upon that. And the reason they did it is because if you come out of school and you can't find a job because the economy is in the tank, and we don't want you to default on your loan. So what I'm going to say is, you have no income, so you give me no payment, and thereby, my loan is still good. You're not in default. I'm giving you the ability to pay me nothing. And we still, we're going to consider this loan to still be good. Even though you're paying me nothing. I'm allowing you to pay me nothing. Right? So you get a job. You're making, you get a part-time job at McDonald's. You're making $15,000 a year. I'm going to allow you to pay me back based upon your income. Not what you owe me. Not the length of time, not the amount of money, but how much money you are actually making. So as long as you make a payment to me based upon how much money you are bringing in at the time, right, it's income-based repayment, we're good. The two of us are good. Now, if after 25 years you still owe me something, let's just say you work at McDonald's your entire career, you make $15,000 a year, it's flat, you're giving me you know, $20 a month, at the end of 25 years, I will let you out of any remaining debt. Okay? So, one is a 10-year, you work for a 501c3, and, and every U.S.-based mission-sending organization is a 501c3, right? All of them. All of our partners, we have like 75 partners that, uh, organizations that send missionaries that are a part of MedSend, and uh, all of them are 501c3s. So any service that you do with them, domestically or internationally, uh, counts towards this 10-year payment if you have direct loans. I don't recommend IBR to you. If you do not have direct loans, come to MedSend. And the reason I'm saying that is because, in my mind, it's it's... It's a payment plan that I don't know how long it's going to sustain itself. This could change at any time. The way that 
the way that the national the, the public service loan forgiveness is budgeted by the government is such a way that it's budgeted every year in anticipation for 10 years out, right? So if you get into the program, you get grandfathered into it, it's budget for that money for that year. IBR it doesn't work that way and it can change at any time. So you could wind up at I, with IBR uh, and you know they change the, the ground rules and you don't know what you can expect. That won't happen the way that they've set up the public service loan forgiveness. Right? Yes? No. Oh, no, no, no. If, but if you had that, so if, if that were the case, what, what I'd recommend to you is that you take and you consolidate your loans. So the beautiful thing about direct loans and one of the ways that they set this up to help people uh, serving in uh, not-for-profits is that they allow you to, so if you have one, if you have, as long as you have one direct loan, you can consolidate all of the rest of yours. So you might have for multiple, let's say you've got undergraduate debt from one organization and, you know, other debt from another. You can actually bring it all under and consolidate it un under direct loan, have one loan, and apply for that total amount for public service loan forgiveness, right? Now, uh, so that my first recommendation if you're in that situation, would be consolidate everything under direct loan. Then uh, we wouldn't reject you because you have direct loans, right? Uh, MedSense is not going to reject you for that. But it is, quite honestly, right now, it's a better program, right? Because we're not going to put you on a 10-year payout schedule. This, this program says you're going to be in a 10-year payout schedule. So at the end of 10 years, you're going to be done. Yes? Yeah, so the way that it works is no more than 10% of the interest would compound, right? So you have a $100,000 loan. Uh, interest would stop compounding at $10,000, right? Does this make sense? Right, so you, the most you would wind up paying is 110000 So the interest does not continue to compound on forever. It does with IBR, right? With IBR, it will, but with IBR, you know, the, there is a, an end state, right? It's after 25 years. So, you know, after 25 years, you're relieved of anything that may have compounded. Any other questions about any of these programs or, or you know, how, how we work, how MedSend works? I didn't uh, – let, so, let me – go ahead. So I, I work for a nonprofit organization, um, and I'm, I make enough money that I can pay back my monthly loan fee. Mm -hmm. um, and so if I register to have this direct loan, public service loan forgiveness, um, I will have paid off all of my loans at the end of 10 years because I'm paying them off every month. Yeah. 
Under that scenario, no, there's not. Uh, there isn't a benefit. So if you think you'll have it paid off within the 10-year period, uh, what uh, I'm bringing this to you uh, in, in the context of who MedSend is, which is our objective is to remove debt to help you get to the field as quick as you possibly can. Right? I mean, that's what we look for ways to say yes. We look for ways to get you out there. We, you know, like that's, that's what it is. So we don't, we don't think about, you know, in our context, we don't think that you're going to be home for 10 years paying off debt because that's why we exist. Right? We exist so that you don't have to wait. Right? We exist. We want to take your debt from you, freeing you to go serve. So we don't want you to think about hanging around for 10 years to pay off your debt. Because what, what, this is the reason why MedSend came into existence, is because a lot of things happen in 10 years, right? You get the practice, you get the house, you get the kids, you know, you get the country club, you get whatever else, right? You get the American lifestyle, and you don't go. And literally, it trapped, the debt trapped a whole generation of healthcare professionals. Many of our donors... The reason that they're donors to MedSend is guilt. They hung around for the 10 years. And the 10 years became 20. And the 20 years became 30. And now they're retired. And they never went. And God was calling them, specifically put a call on their life. And the debt held them up. They said, ah, I'll pay it off in 10 years, and then I'll go. And they didn't go. And they fund MedSend to free you up, to not have you get trapped the way that they got trapped. Right? That's why we exist. That's why people pay us money. It was interesting when, when the founder, Dr. David Tapazian, started MedSend, everybody said, there is no way people are going to pay doctors' debts. You know, this just doesn't make sense. And we've raised almost $20 million dollars to pay off the debts of healthcare professionals because people realize that it's a trap, right? It's a trap. And there are people around the world dying, right? They're dying. They need you. They desperately need you. They need the love of Jesus Christ. They need your hands. They need your expertise, right? They're crying out for you. And we are here to free you up and get you out there. If God's put that calling on your life, don't let debt stop you. I will help you get through it, right? There's government programs. There's us. We have, if you can get to us, and the way that you get to us is through a sending agency. You can't come directly to MedSend. You only come to us through a sending agency. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of them here, two floors. The, the, the whole infrastructure for healthcare missions is here, right? So... Find out where you think God might be calling you. Talk to these folks. Kind of get into their programs. Understand them no matter where you are in the process. It's not too soon to start living missional. Right? Be thinking about this. Preparing yourself for uh, missionary boot camp. Figure out where God's calling you. And then as you go through this process, don't, don't even think about I want you to be thinking about the debt as you're going through it, right? Minimizing it, thinking intentionally. But when you get to the end, don't allow it to get in the way, right? We've now met. Give me a call. Drop me a line. Say, hey, I saw you back then, right? Whatever it was, right? 
on this very day. Today, your debt has been relieved, right? Just like the day when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and your debt of sin was lifted from you, your educational debt just got lifted from you, right? And just like he called you to go serve, when we give you the educational debt relief, you'll be freed up to go serve. Uh, so, uh, to serve inner city uh, here, so most of the ones that we uh, participate are with uh, inner, inner city. So, um, you're going to want to see Steve Noblet, and uh, uh, they have a booth here. And it's escaping me right now. It's on the first floor. Uh, CCHF, thank you very much. My goodness. Uh, they're one of our primary partners. So, Go to CCHF. CCHF is a clearinghouse for Christian uh, inner city uh, uh, clinics. And you can pick wherever you want to serve in the United States. He's got a whole list of them. And then you come through CCHF to get to MedSend. Right? So if you want to serve inner city, that's the place to go. And, and they'll help you and they have all kind of resources to help you identify what cities uh, have clinics. All right. Yeah. I can explain what, what that is, but finish your question and then I'll explain it. So, Could you the yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, so the, the question is, do missionaries receive a salary? And if they do or if it's really low, doesn't it make sense to join IBR, uh, income-based repayment, uh, particularly if you have direct loans because it will be paid off in 10 years, right? So uh, the way that it works is uh, as a missionary, you do have a salary. It's typically a small salary. It is something that uh, individuals uh, and churches commit to you on a monthly basis. Uh, your sending agency actually collects it, so people in various churches and church communities send money to your sending agency in your name. Right? So I would have, you know, as Rick Allen, I would have my local church would support me, my grandmother would support me, you know, my friends would support me, and they would send money in. My sending agency would take all that money and put it into an account for me and then would allocate it back out to me uh, on a monthly basis. They would put aside some money to pay taxes. Uh, if any were due, they would put aside money for uh, uh, retirement income, uh, making sure that I had health care wherever I was serving in the world. Uh, they would put aside some of this money for various things to take care of my affairs back in the United States, and then they would put a certain amount of it into an account that would be considered to be my salary, right? So, you know, these salaries range anywhere from, you know, internationally from twenty-five to $50,000 typically, right? Uh, and usually, you know, it depends. You, you have, sometimes housing is giving to you and, and allowances for cars and a bunch of other things. But, you know, based upon where you're living in the world, you are given a salary. You raise it yourself. Uh, now, the salary is typically minimal, and 
when you apply for IBR, uh, usually what's happening is when people apply for IBR on these small missionary salaries, it comes back that they have a zero monthly payment. You pay nothing, right? So IBR is basically coming out for many people to be zero. Sometimes it's $100 a month if you're living in a very expensive country, let's say, and making $60,000. If you're doing domestic, if you're doing domestic U.S., it's reflective of what it costs to live here, and it's usually higher, $65,000, not unusual in the U.S., and and typically we see about $100 to $125 a month, right, Uh, as your IBR payment, your income-based repayment. So missionaries uh, are typically paying zero. Many of the people that we direct into the program have a zero monthly payment. Uh, and debt, uh, the interest is accumulating, but it will only accumulate to 10%. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about the fact that the government could change those ground rules at any time. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about IBR. I'm not co- at all concerned about public service loan forgiveness. That's the 10-year program. IBR is a 25-year program, right? Uh, So IBR is a decent deal, and many people look at it and say, look, Rick, you know, I want to take that. Uh, Use the money to free up another missionary because I think it's fine. So it can, you know, you have to to kind of make the decision on your own. Public service loan forgiveness, we we feel strongly about it. We, We basically strongly recommend that you take advantage of it. Right? We, we kind of kid around and call it FedSend, you know, as opposed to MedSend. It's, and, and it's wonderful, right? Because we only, we only free up healthcare professionals. FedSend now can free up your teacher friends, right? Your church planting friends. You know, the federal government has just freed up a whole generation of missionaries without doing it intentionally. Right? So MedSend started this in the early 90s, but the federal government started just a couple of years ago. And there's a whole generation of missionaries that want to go and serve, but their debt gets in the way because your healthcare professionals were there for you. Right? But the rest of the professions, they didn't have anything like MedSend. And now they do. They have FedSend. <laughs> so tell your friends about it as well. Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. So I was under the impression that you could sign up for both um, public service loan forgiveness and the income-based repayment. So you could do your tenure under your income-based repayment. Yeah. So then if that's the case, then I guess in my mind I'm still thinking it's better to do the income-based repayment for as long as possible and then and then buy into like a 25-year program or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Good question. Um, do most people, if they're in uh, public service loan forgiveness, do you encourage them to take a 25-year program, like along as much as possible, so that the amount is less? Okay. Yes, I do. So let me try and uh, let me try and help you with that because uh, I understand your I understand the heart of your question. So the first part of the question is, uh, wouldn't wouldn't you recommend for people who have direct loans and are looking to go into public service loan forgiveness to join income-based repayment, right? 
And the answer is that you have to join. The, the thing, the, the ticker starts, the 120-month ticker starts, the way you start the program is you join income-based repayment, right? So that is, they are two separate programs, and I try and do it this way because they can, it can create a lot of confusion, right? But what happens is how you even, if you have direct loans and you want to join public service loan forgiveness, the way that you get the clock starting to tick for your 120 payments is you actually join IBR. You join income-based repayment, right? And then your 120-month clock starts ticking. So, you know, if you look to it, if you left here and you started researching uh, public service loan forgiveness, they would say start here, and where you start is by joining IBR. So it happens automatically. They're two separate programs, but to take advantage of public service loan forgiveness, you have to be in IBR, right? So that answers, that answers one of your questions, right? And then the other one, you said, you know, ah, do we really need it for that extended period of time? And the answer is, no, you want to do it for 10 years if you possibly can. You know, I wouldn't push it out. I wouldn't push it out 25 years. I mean, if you, if you can have, if you can participate in the uh, uh, public service loan forgiveness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you're going to join, yeah, push it out for the 25 years. Yeah. That's going to be decided for you, though, because it's going to be based upon your income. And that's kind of the good part of this thing is that if you're a missionary, right, and let's just say, you know, you're young in your career right now, and you start off and you're at, uh, you know, you're at, uh, let's just say, $25,000, right, uh, as, a, as a missionary, and your, your payment uh, – so that's your income, and, you know, the government says you're going to pay me $100 a month. So, you know, this is uh, up to year five. You're, you're on the mission field, and you're paying $100 a month, right? And then all of a sudden you come back from the mission field, and, uh, you know, you're uh, a surgeon, and your salary goes up to up here. Let's just say it goes up to 150000 right? So... You were out on the mission field, and you were paying, you were making $25,000 a year. Uh, you're out on the mission field for five years. You come back, and you make 150000 Well, what would happen to your payment is that it wouldn't go like that. What would happen is that your payment would go straight up and then flatten out at the 150000 So it's not like you would come home. You come off the mission field, and all of a sudden, it, like, it spikes where now you can't afford to pay it anymore because it just, it just jumps up to reflect your new salary, right? And then let's say you decided to go back to the mission field, it would go back down again, right? Let's say, you know, it's a, an, another 100, let's just say, dollars a month, and let's, uh, you know, just for ease of uh, illustration, right? So... It can go up and down, but it'll never be higher than reflective of how much money you're making. Is that all right? Can I answer your question? All right. 
You can talk to me if you. Yeah, go ahead. Did you? You, have one? you can. You can talk to me afterwards if you have a, a, a specific, uh, specific question. Uh, I just want you to leave here knowing that we're here for you. Don't allow debt to get in the way. Right? Call me. Drop me an email. Medsend.org, right? Let me just pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, just bringing us together here uh, this morning. Lord, I ask that uh, you would guide and direct each person in here, that you would allow nothing to get in their way of the calling that you've put on their life. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. God bless you.